I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me once again in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 26 is where we'll spend time together this morning in God's Word. We'll work through verse 33 together as we consider this chapter and a message entitled, Light in the Darkness. Light in the Darkness. I want you to imagine a scene with me in your mind. It's 2 a.m., you are dead asleep, and you hear a scream and these words, it's dark, (laughs) and it's your spouse. How do you respond? Well, after you're terrified from waking up from a dead sleep, you're rolling through in your mind one, probably one response. It may not be too nice, but the response is turn on the light, right? It's dark, so turn on the light. And yet, follower of Jesus, isn't it often the case in this world in which we live that is incredibly dark, we oftentimes are just screaming, it's dark, it's dark. You get on social media, which is dumb, but it's dark. Students, you go to school and you look at your friends and you go, it's dark. Adults, you go into the workplace and you look around you and times you're just thinking, it's, it's just dark. Is there any hope for the darkness that exists in this world in which we live? And this morning, as we look at Genesis chapter 26... As we look at Isaac, this promised son that came to Abraham, as we look as the covenant of God is going to continue to move through him in an effort to bless the entire world, what we're going to see in Isaac is that in the darkness, he is a light for all of those around him. And if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, that is what we are called to be in the darkness that exists in this world around us. Not just yelling out, it's dark, but recognizing that we are the light in the darkness. I want us to look at Genesis chapter 26, beginning in verse 1 through verse 33 this morning, this is God's word. Now there was a famine in the land beside the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt, dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and to your offspring, I will give all these lands And I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. 
I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and I will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So Isaac settled in Gerar. When the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, she is my sister. For he feared to say, my wife, thinking lest the men of the place should kill me because of Rebekah, because she was attractive in appearance. And when he had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out of a window and saw Isaac laughing with Rebekah, his wife. So Abimelech called Isaac and said, behold, she is your wife. How then could you say she is my sister? And Isaac said to him, because I thought, lest I die because of her. Abimelech said, what is this you have done to us? One of the people might easily have lain with your wife and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech warned all the people saying, whoever touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. And Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him and the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants, so that the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped and filled with earth all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father. And Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. So Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham his father, which the Philistines had stopped after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the names that his father had given them. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well of spring water, the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, the water is ours. So he called the name of the well Essek because they contended with him. Then they dug another well and they quarreled over that also. So he called its name Sitna. And he moved from there and dug another well and they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth saying, for now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. From there he went up to Beersheba and the Lord appeared to him in the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. When Abimelech went to him from Gerar with Ahuzath, his advisor, and Phicol, the commander of his army, Isaac said to them, why have you come to me? seeing that you hate me and have sent me away from you. And they said, we see plainly that the Lord has been with you. So we said, let there be a sworn pact between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you that you will do us no harm, just as we have not touched you and have done nothing to you but good and have sent you away in peace. You are now blessed of the Lord. So he made them a feast and they ate and drank. In the morning they rose early and exchanged oaths and Isaac sent them on their way and they departed from him in peace. That same day Isaac's servants came and told him about the well that they had dug and said to him, we have found water. 
And he called it Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see, that you would open our ears that we would be able to hear, and that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. If you're taking notes this morning, I want to encourage you to write down this important Truth, if you remember nothing else this morning, I want you to remember this truth. Light is always the antidote to darkness. Light is always the antidote to darkness. Students, you go to school and you say, my school is so dark. Employees, you go into the workplace and you say, my workplace is so dark. Families, you head into this holiday season and some of you are dreading having to interact with your extended family. And it's not just because you don't want to talk politics, it's not because crazy uncle is there, it's because for you, your family is a center of darkness. It's easy for us as Followers of Jesus, to look at the darkness around us and simply scream, it's dark, and to wring our hands, and yet I want us to be reminded, as we see in Isaac's life, the same is true in our life as followers of Jesus, that we are the light in the darkness. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, you are the light of the world. Jesus doesn't say, the darkness is terrible. I don't know what we're going to do about that. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others so they would see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. As we look at Isaac in these early years following his life, we got a 30,000 foot snapshot view of his life last week, but here we're digging in. We're getting an opportunity to see what's actually transpiring in his life. And what we are reminded of is that for Isaac, For those that were coming after him, for us as followers of Jesus this morning, we have the opportunity, the gift, to be the light in the darkness. I want you to notice in the first five verses, this first truth that we see in the text this morning, it's going to come up on the screen, being a light in the darkness requires a relationship with the Lord. That is the starting point. That is the beginning point. We see that in Isaac's life here. There's a famine. It tells us in verse 1, Isaac is dwelling in the land of the Philistines. It was a very, very dark place. But notice in verse 2, the Lord appeared to him and said, dwell in the land that I'm going to show you. Sojourn in this land and notice, I will be with you. I will bless you 
For to you and to your offspring, I will give all of these lands and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and will give to them all of these lands. In your offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. The hinge point for Isaac in being a light in the darkness, we're going to see it play out through the text as we get to the point where the king there of the Philistines says, we know that God is with you. Like it's evident that God is with you. Where does that start? It starts with God being in you. A relationship with God. So the question comes in, how do we have a relationship with God? Well, it is only on the basis of our acceptance of Jesus Christ as our Savior. That is the hinge point of a relationship with God. We are separated from God because of our sin. And there's no way for us to enter into a relationship unless our sin is dealt with. And the greatest news in all the world is that our sin has been dealt with. It was dealt with by his son Jesus on the cross who took our sin upon himself and paid the debt that we owed so that we could enter into a relationship with God, no longer enemies of God, but children of God. So I want to encourage you this morning, if you've come in today and Kind of look around and you say, Pastor, the world seems incredibly dark. What is the answer to that? And I want to submit to you this morning that it begins with you taking the step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. That is the step that you need to take this morning. And if you've never taken that step, we would love nothing more than to help you take that step today. But hear me this morning. If you have taken that step, then that means you are in a prime position for God to use you as a light in this world that is so dark. We see in the beginning verses here, verses one through five of this relationship that Isaac had with the Lord. The Lord says, Isaac, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to create out of you a nation of peoples. You are going to be the light in this darkness. Now, when you look at that, it's reminding us that It is Jesus Christ in us that is the light that shines from us. Jesus said in John chapter 8 verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Within every single believer in this room and throughout this world, the light of life, Jesus Christ in us, shines in the darkness. How do we make an impact in this world in which we live? It begins with our relationship with the Lord. It is Christ in us that shines in the darkness. You may look at that and you say, well, 
Well, that sounds wonderful, but pastor, did you read verses 6 through 11? Because if you look at verses 6 through 11, you see that things go off the rails pretty quickly. Did you notice that? In fact, for Isaac, as he is settling in the land of the Philistines, he's concerned with the same concern that Abraham, his father, had. My wife is too beautiful. That's his concern. Do you see that in the text? I'm not making it up. It's there. My wife is so beautiful that they may kill me so that they can take her. And if you notice, his response is the same response as Abraham's response earlier in the book of Genesis. I'm going to lie and say that she is my sister. So that will diffuse the situation. No one will think anything bad about me so that I can preserve my life. Which causes us to ask this question. If Isaac was in a relationship with the Lord and was walking with the Lord, why did he do that? You notice the second truth that we see in verses 6 through 11 as we watch Isaac here lie in this moment. Being a light in the darkness does not equal perfection. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is a measure of relief in our lives. Because the reality is, none of us, even after we take the step of trusting Jesus Christ as our Savior, none of us are going to walk in perfect righteousness. It doesn't happen. You say, well, pastor, hang on just a second. Ask your spouse or your best friend. You're a sinner even after you trust Christ as your Savior. So think about this, you are the light of the world as a follower of Jesus, and yet, even in that, we still struggle with sin. And we may be tempted in this moment to step back and say, well, if that's the case, I can't be a light. In fact, there's a common refrain that is shared in a situation like this especially by people who are not followers of Jesus, they'll say this about Christians. They're just a bunch of what? Hypocrites. And here's the reality. We are a bunch of hypocrites. Some of you are getting a little squirmy right now. You're thinking, is he telling us it's okay to sin like we're good? And Paul would say in that, of course not. Our lives should be marked by righteousness. We should be pursuing righteousness in our lives, but we have to come with the realization that we are still struggling to walk in righteousness even after Christ is in us. We still choose to walk in disobedience to the Lord. And we may be tempted in this moment to think, well, if that's the case, God can't use me. I can't be a light in the darkness if that's the case. And yet, I think the most encouraging thing about this passage in some sense for us is to look and to say that Isaac was in the exact same position. Isaac wasn't perfect. Even in relationship with the Lord, he wasn't perfect. And even in this sin, 
The Lord was at work in him and through him, ultimately to bring God glory. That doesn't mean that we don't turn from our sin. It doesn't mean that we just stay in our sin. It means that we confess it and we receive the forgiveness that Jesus Christ has purchased on our behalf. But hear me this morning. You are not disqualified from being the light that God has called you to be because of sin that may be in your life. Doesn't mean you stay there. Doesn't mean that you get comfortable with it, but it means for you it's not disqualifying. One of the great things about the scripture is just this on display over and over and over again in the lives of people that God uses in incredible ways. I mean, you think about some of the people that we put up on a pedestal, people like Abraham, who did the exact same thing, Isaac, who did the exact same thing, David, who had an affair and had the spouse murdered so he could continue on in that. You look at Peter, who denied Jesus three times, all of them, and yet God used them in incredible ways. See, the reality is Christians are not perfect, we are forgiven. We revel in the grace of God. We revel in what Christ has done on our behalf when we did not deserve it. And here, what we see in Isaac's life is even in the midst of this, God is still at work using him. I want you to notice as we continue on, verses 12 through verse 25, this third truth, being a light in the darkness, is no guarantee that life will be problem-free. You may look at Isaac's life and you think, man, he was blessed by the Lord even in the back end of this sin. He sowed, in verse 12 it says, he reaped a hundredfold If you did that in the stock market, you'd be cheering this morning, right? Except your 401k is a 101k, right? But for him, he's blessed incredibly. He gains more and more to the point, listen, that the Philistines say, you got to go, man. We're tired of watching this. We're tired of seeing God bless you in this way. We are sending you out. And so he journeys out, and then we have this issue of wells, that he and his servants dig, and then that the Philistines come in and say, that's mine. I mean, we would look at this and we would say, man, if we're going to follow Jesus, certainly it should be easy, right? And yet we see time and time again in Scripture that for us as followers of Jesus, we are not promised an easy life. And that may be discouraging for us, but can I just submit to you this reality? Problems provide a platform to glorify God. Problems as followers of Jesus that we deal with in our lives provide a platform for us to glorify God. Which means when you go into work tomorrow, and you are faced with a problem that is staring you in the face. You could sit back from that as a follower of Jesus and go, well, God shouldn't do that. Like, what's wrong? Or you look and say, this problem is an opportunity for me 
to glorify God and be a light in the darkness. Students, you go to school tomorrow. Do you remember that? No, you've been out for a couple of days. And you're going to encounter people who were not with you this past weekend. Coming off of a weekend like this, excited, fired up about what God is doing in your life. Maybe a little bit of sleep deprived right now, right? Wake your neighbor up. But then you deal with a difficult friend first thing Monday morning. You think, man, what happened to the weekend? I was excited about what God had done, and now i got to deal with this. Being a light in the darkness is not a recipe for a problem-free life. It's just not the way life works. But it is through those difficult seasons that we experience as followers of Jesus that give us the opportunity to love God and to glorify Him through the difficulty. We see that here in Isaac's life. Now, what's interesting to me is that in this moment, I don't know if you would have done this, but I would have done this. Just put pastor right here before you. If I had redug the well and you had come in and taken the well from me, we'd have thrown down, <laughs> Right? And then it happens a second time with a different well. But at neither point do we see in this moment Isaac saying, we'll handle this outside. At no point. He just goes and digs another well. In that, honoring the Lord in his response to these Philistines who were seeking to take what was rightfully his. In that problem, he glorified God. He was a light in the darkness. And then I want you to notice in verses 26 through verse 33, Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, comes to Isaac. Isaac, in verse 27, has the natural response that we would have. Why are you coming to me? Because I know that you hate me. You've already sent me out once. Why are you coming to me again? But notice verse 28. They said, We see plainly that the Lord has been with you. We see plainly that the Lord has been with you. The fourth truth we see is being a light in the darkness, hear me, will make an impact. If you're a follower of Jesus and you are willing to be a light in the dark world in which we live, in your workplace, in your school, you're willing to be a light for your family, it will have an impact. It will make a difference. People will look and see that there is something about your life that is different from theirs. And here, we see it very clearly. God has been with you. 
Church family, my prayer for us, teenagers, my prayer for you is that people in this community, in your schools, in your workplaces, would be able to look and to say that same thing about you. It is evident that God is with you. It is evident that God is with you. And what we know is that as lights in this darkness, the greatest need that every single person has is a need for a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we are the light to point them to that reality today. We see it in Isaac's life. My prayer and my hope is that we would see it in our lives as well. Would you bow your heads with me this morning as our worship team comes back up? There's a song that I remember as a kid. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Church, may that be our song as we leave this morning, that we would be a light in this world that is so dark to point people to Jesus who is the answer that they are looking for. Father, we ask this morning that you would work in our hearts and our lives, encourage us, challenge us. As we look at the darkness around us in every facet of our lives, God, help us not simply to be on the sidelines screaming, it's dark. But God, help us to be the light in that darkness. That people could look at us and say, it's clear, it's evident that God is with you. Father, if there's one here this morning that does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, does not know the light of the world, God, would you give them the courage today to respond to receive by faith salvation through Jesus Christ. We ask that in his name. Amen. Church, would you stand as we sing this morning? Pastors are down front. If you need to talk with someone or pray with someone, we're here. But you respond as the Lord leads.